Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name is Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. I hope you're doing all great out there. It's uh, an interesting day for me with my dear child refusing to sleep, but there we go. Such is life as a parent. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about that right now. Um, this week I've got an interview with Ralph of Asunvel, and if you've not come across Asunvel, then I'm very surprised because their social media game is amazing. Amazing. Some really great ideas that you need to consider for yourselves. So he's got some real down-to-earth wisdom about being in a band alongside pushing yourself on social media and how difficult that can be. Alongside some great thoughts on the time it takes to write songs quickly. If you want to know what I'm talking about, then go into the episode. And on that note, I'm going to stop talking and just say on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Ralph of Asenfeld. Ralph, how are you? Ah, so far, so good, mate. You know, just uh, suffering from crippling burnout, but we'll get to that later. Oh, oh, good. Oh, <laughs> hit you with the hard stuff straight out the gate. You know, off to a great start. Excellent. Well, my first question, as always on this podcast, is from an online random question generator. You're lazy. Because Come up with your own stuff, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well. The, here's the question the machines for you. Are taking the internet over. has decided. The machines are taking over. What is your biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve, okay. Um, well, some people ask stupid questions from online generators that I don't have an answer to. Um, that's, that's what you're okay. getting. <laughs> that's told me. That's told me. <laughs> well, okay. How about a, a more serious question then? Um, how did you get into music in the first place? Oh, okay. Um, well, it's it's a funny old story, and it sort of all ties into the origins of this band, really. Um, so, my uh, my old man plays guitar in this band. Lenny, he's the guitar player. He's been he started the band in nineteen ninety three. Um, so it's always been a thing. Like since I was born in ninety six, right? So they, they, we had a little council house, and they sort of converted the loft into a like rehearsal room dash special brew drinking zone the whole wall was lined with like empty special brew cans and that you know um and so they were up there rehearsing it was my old man and my uncle and whatever drummer they could pull off the street at the time you know um and so that was just sort of me there in the crib listening to to Assenville rehearsing you know little did i know i'd be roped into it like 20 years later you know so i suppose it's a case of being brainwashed from a very young age mate you know unfortunate as that may be here i am well here you are do do you play songs that you know they played when you were tiny yeah yeah there's some songs that were that were sort of written um they used to write them in the kitchen with a little drum machine because like i say you know drummers were were scarce you know no one wants to hang out with those idiots um certainly not me anyway <laughs> so um yeah it was just it was that in the kitchen writing them and we got all sorts of songs, quite a couple of songs off the Kamikaze album, I know, were, were quite early in the band's career. I'll call it a career, but we all know that's a lot of horse manure. That's very nicely self-censored there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's, yeah, I'm doing my best. <laughs> so the band got together, uh, what, you said 93. So um, that is, gosh, 30 years ago this year. Wow. Oh, God. Yeah. I'll be 30 soon. Not looking forward to that. 
it's an exciting club to be in, trust me. Um, so, <laughs> no, I say that, and it's not necessarily true. Um, so, how did you get involved in the band yourself? How did it go from something your dad was involved with to kind of you being in it as well? Well, it sort of revolves around the, the tragic death of my uncle, really, I suppose. He, he died in 2010. So I would have been how old now? So I was 13 years younger. Four, probably, oh yeah, I'm about 13, 14 years old. So I was dabbling in, in music. I was just playing bass in, just started a band, I believe, um, a band called Stone Cold Kill. Um, don't bother looking into it because it, it was a, an absolute disaster. As it, as you can imagine being, you know, 13, 14, trying to, trying to rip off Assenvel, you know, cause that's what I've been brainwashed into liking. And so it was, we were like a mini Assenvel. It was great. You know, and I was really inspired by my uncle because he wasn't really a musician, you know, he was just, uh, he just had that sort of, it was all for rock and roll, you know, the swag, the, the, uh, walking into a venue and turning your amps on full and just playing a playing like a one big note and, and rocking out, you know, just play the root note. That was him, you know. And so that felt like, oh well this is quite accessible. This is quite easy to the the skill barrier for entry here is quite low looking at him, you know, <laughs> so let's let's have a piece of that. And so that's sort of what inspired me to get into it was just playing in my own band. And then when he passed away they got um they had another couple of vocalists that one of which I think they yeah they recorded Knuckle Duster with um, the vocalist in between, um, and that didn't work out for one reason or another. A couple of years later, and I was um, I'd just gone through puberty at that point and was ready to go, mate. You know, straight off the production line, another Robinson into the mix, and now we've got my brother in the band now, and so we've got three Robinsons, you know, all doing it with the same kind of vision, which is cool. You know, we're all we're all coming from that same place of like the J, you know. So that's great. That's really cool. The the family band. Yeah. Which is probably something you've never called yourself, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's what we often get referred to now. But it's everyone's got a gimmick nowadays, mate. That's we've got uh, quite a few gimmicks now, so we'll take it. You know, need all the gimmicks we can get in this world. That's you're probably right. So where did the band name come from? Do you do you know? Because it's you said it's not it's not a word you told me before we started recording. So. Well, that'll be um, yeah, that'll be my uncle's fault as well. So this, this all stems back to JJ Winter. It's all his fault. We're not culpable for any of this. I must uh, you know let that be said. This is this was something he sort of came up with um, one night. This is this is sort of it's been one of them stories that's been told and told. And I've told and told it to the point where it's, it's watered down. I reckon now to a point where there's probably only one shred of truth in it somewhere but the the legend goes that he was drinking one night no surprise there um and he was you know coming up with a band name trying to do a band name reading through different books and just sort of had it on his mind you know um and in some witchcraft book there was the word a samuel you know like a u instead of a v um and so like he'd written written it down but he was drunk at the time so when he woke up the next morning the scrap of paper asimvel Oh, there you go. So it's it's really just a mistake, and and there was a lot of mistakes subsequently that have led us to this point. And this whole podcast was a mistake, and and everything is just one terrible mistake. Yeah, it's an existential crisis if you think about it too much. You know, it's all got very serious here. Yeah, I like <laughs> to do that. Catch you off guard, you know. <laughs> so, what was your first gig like with the band? 
Oh dear, can I remember? <laughs> you know when things are so <laughs> well, bad, you block them out. Well, Which has been like a lot of my remember. life. I look back and I think, oh, if I got some kind of PTSD, is it just mental illness where I can't remember things? Am I, am I just stupid? I, do I not live in the moment? Am I too busy looking down at my phone that I can't remember these things? You know, um, the first gig. Well, I can't tell you what it was like, but I can tell you what it was probably like. It was probably shambolic because anything I look back on that's like more than a year old, I'm, I'm hugely embarrassed of. You know, people come up and say, oh, that thing you did, or oh, that record's great. And I just think it's absolute pony, you know, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I tell myself it's a good thing that I only ever like the most recent thing I've done because it's hopefully it's, it's an improvement on the last, you know, heap of rubbish. So kind of where I'm at is I don't sort of dwell too much. I mean, it's a creative process in it. You put stuff out all the time and, and hopefully you bury it with better stuff quite quickly and just keep going, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Have you had any, um, nightmare experience gigs where lots of things have gone wrong? I would say 90% of our gigs are that. To a point where it's like, are you kidding me now? We played a gig in Slovenia. It was, well, at the time, it was the biggest gig we played, like um, Metal Days. I think we were, we were on the main stage with like Judas Priest and a lot of other big bands. And we were like, sort of, you know, four or five bands before Judas Priest. And we're thinking, like, how did we land this gig? You know, I think some video at the time had taken off. And, you know, obviously we've got the internet to thank for pretty much everything good that's come our way, you know. Um, and so I just remember that it was, it was the hottest gig in the world because the sun had just come up over these mountains and they must have put us on at the time. The sun was like directly in your face. Like it was that kind of heat that it's like, you know, the sun heat when you're in the sun, it's like, whoa, and in a leather jacket because, you know, you got to look cool. Can't sacrifice the image, running around in skin-tight jeans, a, a leather jacket and cowboy boots Ouch. in the baking heat. Um, Lenny looked like a beetroot by the end of it. I looked over and I was, like, horrified, you know. This was a, a sort of pantone of red I'd never seen in my life, mate. Um, and, and that gig was, I would say, the biggest nightmare because it really just it shouldn't have been a nightmare because it was like, this is our shot, you know. And there's a lot of those moments that you look back on where you think, at the time, you thought this is our shot. You know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it now, and then you just realise you just weren't good enough. Um, and it's as simple as that, really. You can't. A lot of things went wrong. Like uh, Lenny's guitar was cutting out maybe two or three times. He had some wireless pack that was quite cheap because it's all we could afford at the time. And uh, the guitar tech for Judas Priest is he was a mate of ours from back in like, uh, Bradford. And he was saying, oh, you've not got those wirelesses, have you there? Like, no, 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 no. You know, like, you know, sort of 2.4 gigahertz, 5 gigahertz, just throwing out all this tech jargon that obviously he knew about. And he said, oh, we've got these, the two grand a piece and blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, oh, well, they've been fine to this point, mate. You know, I'm sure it's fine. Um, and sure enough, no, it wasn't fine at all. Um, and the, the whole gig was just an absolute disaster. But again, I think it boils down to, like, it just wasn't. It wasn't our time, you know. Things have happened subsequently where we've improved and, and everything else, like I say, is just an embarrassing nightmare, you know. So, yeah. I think you're right that a good mindset to go in with is 
constantly improving like as long as your next gig your next next release whatever it may be is better than the last one you're onto a winner i mean there's been cases where it certainly hasn't been better than the last one but you'd like to think it's trending upwards yeah you know what i mean like um and that's just through being hypercritical and and you know kind of trying to bring in some self-awareness where you can um which is is I mean, it's probably easier as a solo artist, but there's, I mean, there's four of us now. There was three of us. Now there's four of us. Um, and so you've all got to kind of be critical of each other to some extent as well. And it's good because we're family that we can say, ah, that thing that you're doing. I mean, I've had uh, Lenny come up after gigs and say, that thing you do there, I've noticed that you've started doing it a lot. I don't think it looks good. So, okay. Uh, let me show you this video. You know, and he's like, nah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I see what you mean, actually. Yeah. And, and if you can articulate why something isn't working or why it wasn't, it doesn't sound good um, in a well-reasoned manner with, you know, pros and cons out, outlined, then why not? You know, and that's how you, that's how you move forward, isn't it? And, and improve as long as you can deliver it in a way that's not going to completely uh, crumble someone's entire sense of self. You'll, you'll be all right, you know. Which hopefully you can do well and constructively in a band. Not no, always, we can't. Not always. No, that's not what we do. No, we just shout at each other. Oh well, that's that's the alternative. Gets the job done. Oh, family, eh? <laughs> yeah. So, something um, that really, I guess, caught my attention um, that you guys do is you do your your social media very differently to um, every other band I know, especially your your TikTok content, which I know you you know you put about on other platforms too. Because why not? Um, what's the thinking behind it? Well, it started in in January where we got a new drummer, a new drummer who's not the current drummer because we go through drummers like, you know, five a year just to keep it fresh. We get bored otherwise, you know. Um, but regardless, yeah, we got, we got a new drummer and, and he was sort of available for quite regular like rehearsals and that, whereas before we had, Yanni, who was sort of living down in London, and we were tight enough as a band that he'd sort of only come up for gigs, like a quick rehearsal before a gig, or, you know, some, if there was anything meaningful to do. But we were sort of building up the, uh, you know, the tracks and, and getting rehearsed, and we were like, oh, this is good. And it sort of coincided with us like getting the studio space that was our own. So we thought, you know, we know we can look good, we know we can sound good, we've got control over that now, and we're not got like, well, quick two hours, you know, and then the next band are in. Kind of set ourselves up to have a little bit more sort of freedom with it all. Um, so it just seemed like, well, well, we can do it. So let's, we always sort of knew that we should, that we should try and, um, you know, be posting as much as we can. But it was just not, it just didn't seem like it was possible. And I think that's something that's quite important to mention is like, um, you know, even just manoeuvring yourself into that position where you've got the time and the space to do it is that's a whole job in itself. It's like you might spend a year doing that before you even start making content, you know. And that's sort of what we'd been doing while we were sort of looking for another drummer. It's like we had a bit of downtime and we've been saving, saving for years and years and just thought, okay, we can get this little studio space and get all our gear in there. And, you know, so that's kind of when, when that started. It was only, only, we've only been doing it like six months, you know, but. The whole nature of it is that we've probably done like six years worth of content in six months, you know. So one one a day, if not more. It's just relentless, you know. 
You're doing one a day. I didn't realise it was that often. I kind of just, they kind of just appear. So I just kind of yeah, well, that's watch the them. Thing, and... You know, I don't really, I don't necessarily do it because I, I, I'm stupid enough and deluded enough to think people are sat there eagerly refreshing the Facebook feed waiting for us to pop up again. Um, but, you know, I do, I do like to say that I'm going to do something. And, and it's like if you go into the gym or something like that, you know, and you say, right, I'm going to go five days a week. And then if you don't do it, then you lose respect for yourself. Do you know what I mean? Um, I said I was going to do that thing and I didn't do it, you know, and then, you know, you're not accountable really to anyone but yourself. And I think if you can, if you can try and build that in where you, you know, have enough self-respect to, um, to be hard on yourself when you haven't done it, you know, not too hard, you know, there'll be days that you miss it because you're, I'm absolutely cripplingly overwhelmed with everything that's going on and, you know, okay, we just put out that post yesterday and uh, that's doing all right. And uh, I can just take it off today, you know, like, and those are really, if you see that we've not posted on a day, then you just can imagine um, what's going on behind the scenes. It's it's probably like my house is burnt down or, you know, something equally as insane as that because we do try our best to just keep it going, you know, but there will be days where I think in six months we might have taken, yeah, about six days without posting. Um, but it's trying to keep that, you know, maybe one day off a month, but just the consistency, you know. Do you find that it's really building for you, posting most days? Yeah. So some, sometimes you'll have something that you thought was like absolute rubbish that'll take off. Um, it's usually the ones that you really don't think are going to go, go. And so then you'll, you'll get a thousand followers overnight. You know, um, we've gone from when we started in January, I think we had uh, like 100 on TikTok. Now we have like 13K. Um, and then in we had, I think we've doubled on Instagram. We had maybe 6,000. Now we've got 13,000. Facebook's gone from 38,000 to 50,000. So that, you know, that feels pretty good. But I think more importantly than that, it's like you can see the fans are kind of enjoying it more. And you see the same fans commenting day after day and kind of getting more involved and kind of learning new things, you know, like when you tell them that uh, you might do a bit of content that's sort of showing a bit of the backstory of the band and people don't know it unless you tell them, you know, there's a good sort of way of just kind of getting, letting people get to know you and then they can decide if they want to be a part of it or not rather than just, oh, I vaguely know a couple of tunes and they're all right, you know, it's a different thing, isn't it? I think it's what a lot of bands miss is that a lot what a lot of people want on social media is they want to find out about the people in the band and what they're like and i think content like the stuff you're posting is a really good window and it's a good i think it's a really good mix of um i don't don't really know how to characterize it like character content for one of a really much better phrase and musical content where you're kind of going well here's you know here's the music here's what we're writing here's what it's a tough balance you know because like we got into a bit of a, uh, there's been a couple of videos that we're just messing around on, you know, and like, and having a laugh and then you'll, you'll do maybe, a, you know, five or six of them in a row. And you think, all right, dial it back a bit now. Cause people are going to think that we are literally spinal tap, you know, like we're just having a laugh all the time, but, um, that's the stuff obviously that we enjoy making more, you know, because we're, we're just showing ourselves and we're just, we're just clowning around, you know? Um, so it's it's all you do always look at that, and there is a science to it of uh, at least for us and what we what we like to do is 
we've sort of developed a decent ratio, I think, of, you know, sort of funny stuff and serious stuff, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but we enjoyed doing it all, you know, even the, even the, the boring, you know, there's the stuff, we just released a new track, you know, and you're doing like, you're chopping up little clips of your music video and it all feels very much like a, a corporate advertisement, you know, and you're, you're putting on like out now, stream it now. And you just, you, you feel like a, you're asking for something from somebody, you know, and it, it feels like, well, on there, you should be giving something to somebody. Um, so that sort of stuff I would say isn't, isn't exactly the most enjoyable thing in the world because of, I suppose just because of the place it's coming from, you know, you're asking, Oh, please stream my track, you know? And it's like, I would like to think that if we just put stuff out that we that we're having a laugh on, then people will look into it because you know we look like a laugh. Hopefully, with with things like social media, it is it is that balance between giving and asking, and I I, I genuinely do think, at least from my my own experience of using social media, that it is okay to ask as long as that's not the only thing that you do or the main thing that you do. And with with you guys, the main thing that you do is you give out the various types of videos that we've been talking about. So I think, I think it's okay to, you know, occasionally go, Hey, we have music, listen to it. Kind yeah, of thing. I mean, we have that whole thing. We like, we like merch and stuff. I, I've got to get around to, it's on my list to, to design some new merch and, and get that out there. And we were sort of saying, you know, like we, we had so much, so many people asking, Oh, when's it, when are you going to drop some new merch and stuff like that? Um, and we sort of didn't, for a long time didn't think anyone cared we were just like oh i don't need to do all you know we've got a band t-shirt with a band logo on it we don't look like we're uh you know making assenveld candles and you know just like selling out you know oh god god forbid you should try and make some money from the thing that you enjoy doing that people enjoy and people people want to spend money on it and i'm like why you know and it's kind of trying to get out of that mindset of like you know the, the, the merchandise if you've got like song lyrics on the printed on the back of a t-shirt you know, the iconic line of a song that everyone's going to sing along to at a gig. Well, that, if anything, that, that's, you know, in theory, going to sort of strengthen the community and kind of give people a thing to rally around uh, just as much as your content, you know. So, yeah, we're, we're in the process now of sort of designing some new stuff and just trying to get out of, of our old ways of just, like, being so bog standard with it, you know, having a, a logo shirt and a badge. It's like, oh, cool, <laughs> you know. That looks appealing. So we're gonna, yeah, we can try and spruce it up a bit with my very limited knowledge of of graphic design, you know, which is it's kind of how, how we do everything is with my limited knowledge of X, Y, and Z. It's, it, we're just muddling through, you know, making up as we go along. Tea towels, that should be the next frontier. <laughs> yes, that's it. Make it happen. We can collab on those, mate. It's your idea. Right, well, I can tell you how much I know about designing tea towels is nothing at all. <laughs> So might not be much use, but I'll take I'll take fifty percent <laughs> for the idea. Anyway, um, you you mentioned burnout earlier, and I think it's a really important thing to to discuss. So, what's happened? I guess is probably the best place to start. What's what's wrong with you, Ralph? What's wrong, mate? Come on, you can you can talk to me, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, when when you're doing something like this on a on a daily basis, it's it's completely inevitable. Um, I mean, it, well, there's probably ways to avoid it, but I, I'm certainly not smart enough to have found them. Um, and so you, it's, it's not only just, you know, making content is, I suppose, the easy part. It's, it's the whole rest of your life around that. 
you know, like having a, a regular job and, uh, you know, we've got a rehearsal tomorrow and we're, we're throwing in a couple of different songs. So, you know, learning those songs before rehearsals so that you're not the one idiot that hasn't. Um, and, and everything else, I have not cut my grass in about two months, mate. And, and people come around and say, Jesus, you know, what's, what's got into you? What, what's going on? I've got, I've got bigger, <laughs> bigger fish to fry, you know, than, than these basic things that you need to do, uh, to maintain a, a healthy lifestyle. It, those it's when those things start eroding you know falling by the wayside that you've got to watch out i think and and it's it's easier said than done for me to sort of take a day to cut the grass you know uh clean the house and sort of reset everything but uh those are the sort of things that help you know it's just kind of getting back on top of it it's almost like the the rest days aren't, aren't for you know getting under a blanket and hiding from the world it, it's it's for getting all the other stuff done that you haven't got done. And then you feel like, okay, I'm good. I'm not sinking under the weight of existence anymore. I'm, I'm on top of it, you know, and, and then you can, you can rest for a few hours on a night and get back on it, you know, just keep moving, you know? Yeah. I think it's something that's not talked about enough is being a musician with a full-time job is difficult because it's or you just have to manage your time and there's just not enough time to do what you want to do you know i'm i'm in exactly the same boat with, with music production in general I, I have a full-time job how do you balance these things especially because i've got a young family it's like there's there's too many things that need to happen so you really got to think about it haven't you yeah it's a, it's a lot of um a lot of juggling and you know you have a, a list on your on your notes app or on your phone that by the end of the day the important stuff has got done and the other stuff pushes on to the next day, you know, and I imagine having kids is a, a whole other kettle of fish and a, a whole other nightmare in itself, you know, just have it, just on its own. That's got to be more than what I do. That's the human life, you know, forget that. That's, there's a lot of pressure, you know, cause, uh, I think that's the thing, you know, raising kids in this day and age anyway, like, Oh, they've all got ipads by the age of like four and if they haven't then they're missing out but if they have then they've got mental illness from you know all these social media apps and everything at such a young age and so what do you do yeah but that's all other topic so needless needless to say i i uh will not be going down that road we don't need any more robinsons to carry on the band you know with the world's longest running band on it <laughs> keep it going generation generation <laughs> So moving back, um, kind of, I guess, straight to the band, how, how do you guys write songs? Do you just kind of jam in the room or does someone come with some riffs and stuff? How does it work? Well, it's usually Lenny that will kickstart it, uh, you know, with a, with a good riff. A good, um, usually it'll be a riff and then it'll just sort of play whatever feels like it comes next, which might be like a bridge or um, some sort of, sorry excuse for a chorus that we then sit and think about you know but usually the riff isn't something that we, we think about it's just played like in the moment um if he's tuning up at rehearsal we'll just have a little uh a little twang and something will come out just and i'll go what was that that sounded he said, what and he's literally just in front of his amp playing like down 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 just to sort of get the EQ and I'm going, what's that? Is this some new No, just, just playing like some random notes. Right. Well, that's it. That's a hit, you know? Um, 
So it usually comes about in quite an organic way, at least for the first kind of like 78% of the song, and then you, you get into the nitty gritty and you have to start using your brain. Um, but I think the more you can keep your brain out of the situation and you can just kind of, you know, be present and create and, and try not to overthink it. As soon as you start overthinking it, it's like math metal, you know, it's, it becomes more technical than I suppose it should be. It's, it's all about feeling in it, you know, does this riff feel good? And if you think about it too much, you say, God, this riff is so basic. We can't play this. So the key is just not to think about it because otherwise you, you know, we wouldn't write anything because we're too stupid to really do anything uh, that we apply our brains to, you know. That's fine. It's, it, I think it, the, the kind of music you do, at least for me, is more a kind of a feeling. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like you kind of listen to it and you go, oh, yeah. It's not, I'm not there like, oh, you know, this is, this is like a deep emotional thing. It doesn't quite work for me like that, but that's okay because different bands are for different feelings, I guess. Yeah, we never really, we don't know enough about music theory and just playing our instruments in general. Like I say, you know, I was inspired by my uncle who was not a musician at all. It was just the attitude. And so we're just coming from, I mean, the last song we wrote, Louder and Louder, we wrote that in about 10 minutes. Uh, and then the lyrics in maybe half an hour, I think after that, we were kind of so hyped up. I was like, right, let me run upstairs and write some lyrics, you know. Um, and that, that was really just, right, what would we play if we were running out on stage at Madison Square Garden, first song, what's that riff? And, and Lenny just starts playing some absolute, like, it sounded insane because it's such a jumpy sort of riff. Um, and I said, like, that's pretty, it, it doesn't necessarily sound clever or impressive, but it gives this good feeling, you know, it gets your heart rate going. So I was like, yeah, let's not think about it anymore, that's good. Uh, you know, and, and get the chorus on there, and and the chorus is easy because it's A D G. You know, it's like, and when you think Jesus Christ, we can't do that, and uh, and you do it anyway. You know, and, and you just it's just the little sprinkles that you put over it that make it different from every other song that goes A D G. Um, it's the clever little uh, extra parts, you know, and that's why it's good that we've got an extra guitarist now, um, and that's kind of, that's kind of what led to us getting an extra guitarist was writing that song and going like, oh, we can put this on in the studio. And then it's like, oh, how would we replicate that live? Well, badly. So let's not go there. Uh, oh, what about Stell? You know, he's only upstairs because, you know, he, he's family and he's always been there, you know. So it's like, are we stupid? Is it taking us this long to come to that conclusion that we should have Stell on guitar and then, you know, share the load? Lenny's doing a, a mile a minute. He's got to catch a bus to get to the other end of his his guitar neck to to play these little tiny solo bits that we added on, and then get back to the other end to to play the riff again. And it's just like Jesus, you know. So that's been a lot better since doing that. Yeah. How do you guys um, record? Do you tend to go into the studio or record yourselves? What's your approach to that kind of thing? Well, we have dabbled a little bit recently in like recording ourselves. It's not what we usually. It's not what we've done. Um, but because we've got this studio space and stuff like that, and we just got like a new desk that has got, uh, you put an SD card in there and you can sort of record each channel separately. And then I put them in the computer using my limited knowledge of Premiere Pro. And that's a video editing software, but I, I, that's what I use for all the TikToks and stuff. So you can put audio channels in there and level them. And so we've been, that's kind of when, whenever you see like a live video uh, from our studio, like a rehearsal video, 
uh, with the new lineup, because that's kind of around the time we got the the new desk. That's just like I think sixteen different channels, you know, outcomes, mic'd up stuff like that, uh, all just mixed in together on on Premiere Pro and like EQ it slightly for like drums and stuff. But I don't really know what I'm doing, so I tend just not to touch anything and just hope for the best. Um, as long as the snare doesn't sound like Saint Anger, you know, we're good. That's kind of my <laughs> knowledge of it. It's just like just avoid that because you you won't get away with it. Nope. Um, so, <laughs> not with that snare. Yeah, we can we can kind of do little bits ourselves, and you know, I think it's good. It, it, it kind of just jumping in and saying like, well, how hard can it be, you know? And as long as you don't delude yourself that you're actually good at it, um, and you know, it's a live thing. It's a, it's a live thing in in our rehearsal room, so put it out and. It's certainly better than recording off a phone, you know, so that's a big win for us. That's a step up because I, I guess that's like most bands will be recording on a phone. So that's how, how we sort of try and get a little bit ahead of the competition, you know, is okay, well, let's try and record it a little bit better. Um, but in terms of like studio stuff, we've we got a producer that we've been using for the last few records and he's absolutely great. Uh, it's Matt at uh, Axis Recording Studios in, in Doncaster. Um, he's great. Um, it's, it's a good process. It's just kind of like we just do do as we're told, really. It's like a dentist waiting room. He calls you in and you, you have your appointment, do your thing, and then uh, go back out and watch Fast and Furious 4, you know. So I guess it's always it's always helpful as well having that that kind of external person who's not in the band but is very much there for the music to go, have you thought about this? How about this idea? That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, especially because because we're all kind of as stupid as each other, and all in like kind of the exact same niche way of of like being kind of uh, short sighted or sort of tunnel vision on a certain type of music. Because that's what I mean. That's what I've been I've been raised on my old man's music, and that's what we're playing. Um, so it's kind of like I suppose it's going to become a parody of itself uh, unless you've got some lateral thinking, you know, to sort of step in and say, oh, have you thought about this? You know, and that's where a lot of a lot of good ideas come from is, um, you know, I'll, I'll play something to my sister and she'll say, oh, have you thought about that? You know, just anyone, you know. I mean, my sister writes our songs, babe, do you know what I mean? Like, and she doesn't know the first thing about music. Yeah, having that, those people that you can talk to is a really good idea. Yeah, as long as they're going to be honest with you and, and um not hopefully not too honest or you know we'd, we'd be on the floor in tears if people were really honest with what they thought but yeah it's good to have that you know yeah totally what what do you think in your in your opinion has been the biggest success of the band so far it could be a gig or a, a particular song that you released or a moment whatever really yeah i feel like um you know the the latest track that we put out whether whether 10 people streamed it or, or everyone thought it was a complete joke and laughed it out of town, which we probably are. I've not checked comments today. Um, I feel like, you know, sort of rating your successes by what, you know, what do I think of it? Um, and that feels like the most fulfilling thing is when you sit down, you've, you've worked hard on something, and you just sit and listen to it, or you watch the music video or whatever, and you say, yeah, I'm happy with that. I can, I can pretty much die now, and, I'll, and people will go, oh, he was cool. He did good stuff, you know. I'll take that. It's like um, you, you, you can get certain accolades and certain opportunities awarded for your hard work, but um, I feel like that's you know it's sort of done and, and done and in the moment. 
And next thing you know, you, you know, you're not on the metal metal day stage uh, supporting Judas Priest, embarrassing yourself. You, you're talking about it, and laughing about it, you know. Um, and it's but the the stuff. I think yeah, the music itself, you know, it's it's permanent. Um, and you can always it's a good good to have that record of how bad you were and and, and watch that kind of trajectory of it leveling up, you know. And I, I feel like the the latest release is always sort of going to be your proudest moment. And if, if it's not, then you shouldn't release it, you know. Can't argue with that as an answer. And I think the the really nice thing about releases, of course, is that, you know, in 50 years' time, you can listen to it and go, oh, that's that's what we were like back then. That's what that was like. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I was doing that just the other day, listening to, um, like, my first band, you know, and just going, let's just, uh, I can't remember, something reminded me of it. And I thought, yeah, I'll put that on. Just to have a listen. Like, I, I very rarely do it because, like, it's just that bad. Um you know, why put yourself through it? Uh, low self-esteem for the rest of the day, listening to that. God, am I really that bad? No, it was, it was 10 years ago, Ralph. You're all right, mate. You're doing better now. You're okay. You know, and listening to that stuff, it, it's, it's kind of, um, there's still some sense of uh, pride involved in it. You're still proud of yourself, you know. It was a long time ago, and you did you did the best you could at the time, you know. And like you say, it's good having that record of, of sort of what you've been like at each stage, and, you know, it's cool. So... Slightly different question. Sorry, can I feel like we're ping-ponging around different questions? But yeah, that's fun, isn't it? It's good for ADHD, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> how um, how is the band managed? Do you have like a single person that's sort of in charge? Do you share out tasks? How does that all work for you? Well, it's um, it's quite cool, really, because uh, my mother is JJ's sister, because obviously JJ, the rich family member, was, was my uncle. Um, so Deb's got like a... Quite a vested interest because she's always been like, you know, back when they were getting drunk on special brew and larking around, she was there designing the website. Like, come on, guys, just can I have your attention for two minutes and and tell me what font you prefer on this website, you know, uh, um, and getting them gigs and doing all the, you know, she's always had a very analytical brain and and kind of um, a quite a sensible outlook on things as opposed to the rest of the band. So like. You know, she's always kind of done the the smart stuff, and you know, if we get stopped at a, at a Swiss border, she'll go and negotiate it so that we can get out of there without um, spending the night in a prison cell or whatever. You know, we'd sort of leave all that all that to Deb. So she's she sort of manages it all, and then you've got the day to day stuff of you know social media, which is my thing really. Um, and it works. We've all kind of got our little jobs. I mean, Lenny will um, he'll be there in the studio making sure that um, there's enough drinks in the fridge and that there's enough, uh, all the amps are serviced. And, you know, if amps need service, then he'll go take them to the guy. And, um, you know, we've sort of, sort of found our roles, really, that fit us best. So it's, it's good, you know. It's good when you all kind of work out what your strengths are and you go right okay we know what we're doing now we know we know how to operate together yeah and usually if there's something none of us can do um i'll just do it badly and you know so anything that's that's shoddy you know it's me just attempting to do something i can't really do but there's no shame in that i suppose no not at all not at all um so what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or so 
Well, we, we sort of just put this track out, which is good because we've, we've kind of like the last track we put out before that, when we put out Outside the Law, we just got a new lineup. So it was, right, let's do a music video and kind of like set this in stone. Here you go. You've got a new thing. It's a new lineup. Put some merch out with that as well. And it's kind of like, right, and we'll reset now. Um, of course, we did that. And then um, it all went to hell in a handbasket and we, we got another lineup. So then we had to do another music video. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't, we would have just put out a track. We wouldn't have gone to the great lengths of doing a music video, but you feel like you want to sort of set, set it back to zero and it's all there. You've got your definitive thing and then you can move on. So we're kind of, it's good now that we've got a lineup that's really cooking. We're all getting along like a house on fire and, um, and we can kind of say, right, well, we've done the necessaries now. So let's look for, um, we, we, we just split from our booking agent a few months ago. He was based over in Germany. Uh, and he was getting us a lot of gigs in Europe when we kind of wanted like a lot of UK gigs, you know, because um, it's it's just easier now. Um, and we can kind of do that alongside writing and recording and just take a few days out and it's not a, not a complete nightmare. Um, so really, yeah, the goal is to kind of uh, get our booking agent locked in and, and get out on the road uh, all the while, uh, like sort of writing and recording for an album that we want to put out at some point this year probably toward the very end of this year because you know um these songs don't write themselves and we're not very good at it <laughs> <laughs> there you are i think they're good for what it's worth in the end of course i mean I'll, I'll i won't argue with you on that but it's a it's a process you know i mean like i said the last one took 10 minutes but i feel like it, it took uh 10 months to get to the point where we wrote that song in 10 minutes. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like, it feels hard to force. So um, we've had times where we've been banging out songs and you get, um, I mean, Jesus Christ, the World Shaker album was written in like a week, I think. It, I mean, aside from lyrics, which sort of, you sort of right up until the, the last minute. Uh, that was sorted, yeah, and it was done in about a week um, just because we had to, do you know what I mean? So there's probably some merit in sort of setting yourself a, a serious deadline and saying, right, we're going to do it, which is kind of why we said we are going to do it this year, you know, um, because otherwise it, life gets in the way, you know, and it really it can't at this point because we've, we've got so much momentum and we need to we need to deliver, you know. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. What um, What is your best piece of advice for bands nowadays? Could be absolutely anything. I suppose it comes down to what I mentioned earlier, really, about kind of like it might take a year to sort of set up your life in a, in a way that's conducive to, to doing it, you know. And um, I think, you know, there's, there's some people that if, if they got told that they were going off on a European tour for a month, they'd, they'd panic and it would be like the world had ended because well, I haven't got any holiday from work. And, you know, and there's all that kind of... Um, stuff that needs to be somehow manipulated around being in a band, you know, and, and sort of setting your life up in a way that makes it so that you can manifest it, you know, because otherwise you just, you're anti-manifesting it. You're saying, I'm not ready for this, you know? And I think that's what's so difficult um, is, is all the stuff that's not being in a band is trying to get that on lock and trying to kind of just give yourself some kind of, way out and that is so it's like impossible you know um 
and it, it would be unique to everyone's situation of how do you kind of get out of the rat race enough? How, how do you create openings in the rat race to escape for a length of time to do a tour and not be completely broke? Like, I don't have any advice on how to do that, but um, I would say look at that and, and see where you're at with it and, like, uh, you know, consider your options and, and stuff like that. I mean, it was about six years ago now that I was working for a greetings card company, you know, uh, just in a warehouse packing orders and, and that sort of stuff, you know, minimum wage sort of nightmare job. Um, and we'd had this idea to do like a subscription box, um, which is kind of what we started doing, uh, like a spiritual subscription box. We can get incense and crystals and stuff like that. And um, because we thought, well, it's, it's kind of zero outlay at the start. You know, we, we didn't have any money. We were struggling to even, get, you know, food, money for, for dinner that night sort of vibe, you know. Um, had a little little jar full of, like, 20 pence pieces, you know, you'd go to the shop with that. Um, and and so we, we sort of manoeuvred ourselves into a position where we had our own business so we could make our own sort of schedule, you know what I mean? So if we did get pulled away for a tour, okay, well, we can just about manage it, and at least it's on us, you know. And I think that's been, like, monumental in, in the – progression of the band and not a lot of people are in a position where they can do that because it's uh, it's just so difficult you know it's like there'd probably be people and this is the problem i suppose is people that are privileged enough to be in that position because they've got rich parents or something like that um and so being creative it's just a laugh in it you turn up you, you haven't really got anywhere to be so you can be creative because that's kind of you know it's in in that kind of state of mind where you're not stressed that you can be creative and and further yourself in in ways such as you know a music career really difficult to do when you're pinned down with a nine-to-five job or anything like that so my only advice really is to try your best to um you know get the extra time off work or have a word with your boss or earn some extra money on the side or whatever it is to make being in a band like easier to do and then everything else will kind of fall into place i think good advice good advice certainly sort your life out <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's like i say it's a lot easier to than done and certain people's privileges are going to be way more than others i mean I've, I've been lucky enough to to have a family around me that where we when we started this business from absolutely nothing there was at least a few of us there to kind of have the time to do it you know um and so that's that's a privilege right there is that you've got you got people you got a team you know we're, we're all fighting for our lives to get out of poverty you know so we can make something of ourselves and um and so that's fortunate even just that a lot of people are on their own with it and they can't see a way out and it's, it's so difficult you know but um i suppose the piece of advice that would that would trump even that is just is just do not stop do not give up and, and just believe in yourself you know to a point of delusion just believe in yourself if you believe that something is possible, then I, I feel like you will you will put in the work as opposed to if you think, oh, maybe I'll do it. You know, I think I've got a shot. Like, maybe I can do that. It's not the same as saying, I'm going to do that. Whatever it takes, I'm not going to stop. I'll do it. You know, and just, just be so, like, insane in that way, you know, and, and, and de delusional to a point where it, it sort of is no longer delusion because you, you said it, I'm going to do that. You know, and there's power in that, I think. So, to close out the podcast, I'd like to ask for a song from the band to play at the end of the podcast. So, I don't know about that, mate. We've not discussed this at all. 
don't know. Have. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, which song is it and why? Well, it'll, it'll be our latest release because um, I'm a self-promoting uh, piece of work. Uh, it'll be Louder and Louder um, by the mighty Asin Bell. Well, there we are. Good reasons. Good song. So this is Asabel with Louder and Louder. Ralph, it's been really great to chat with you. Nice one. Cheers, mate. to face it all.